Hey everybody, it's Christina Caramo and welcome to It's Solid Food. So this episode is titled Letters from Columbia. You'll understand why I gave it the title as we go through the episode. And the subtitle is The Reality of Human Evil. As the idea that America is this uniquely evil nation continues to be pushed by the media, the entertainment industry, and academia, fueling these constant protests, and in many cases providing justification for many times how these protests turn violent, where people are dying and they're destroying property and businesses who are innocent. The lessons that we can learn from Columbia, hmm, that reveal that this is not the path we should be going on or downplaying if we want to solve our problems. That's what we'll be discussing. I'm Christina Caramo, and now it's time for some solid food. with Solid Food, where we discuss all things in Christian apologetics, culture, and politics. So, you know, many of the members of the media, and again, the entertainment industry and academia, they act as though America is just systemically unjust nation, that America is a hypocrite, that America is a liar, it's a force of evil, it's the worst nation to ever exist, and they feel that we need this revolution. And it's kind of insane when you think about it in the context of human nature, when you think about it in the context of society. It's even an own totally homogenous community where there should be no quote-unquote power imbalance. You still see violence, you still see murder, because that's just how people are. It has nothing to do with the system of America. It's just that human beings are these wretched creatures who are horribly wicked. I'll get to that more in detail in a moment. And so currently we have leading this revolution, a group called Black Lives Matter, which is really just Marxism and blackface. They're just an organization who actually the the women, well, at least one of the women, can I say, is a professing witch and her and another lady, which I'll talk about that another time. Um, they were talking about how they summon spirits, how when they chant the people's names, they're actually channeling the spirits of the person, that they pour out libations, and it's just really ridiculous. So they have some other things going on, but the most concerning part is not just Black Lives Matter. It's also Antifa, which they're really interchangeable because they're fruit from the same poisonous Marxist tree, that they have now turned to the leaders of this revolution. They want everyone running around chanting Black Lives Matter. And again, I, I don't have a problem with the phrase Black Lives Matter. It's the organization. And now they've become one of the same. And I don't need to chant a slogan in order to show or anybody to show that they care about people. And then this organization titled Black Lives Matter or short enough for BLM is packed with all types of foolishness like dismantling the nuclear family. They're just Marxists. Their founders, the professing Marxists, they want to dismantle, disrupt America. What you need to understand about Marxism, as I said before, Marxism is a global movement. The, the belief of Marxism is that the world has evil because there are these power imbalances. And their traditional Marxism focuses on um, financial power imbalance, if you will. So they, it believes that the reason why we have rich and poor is because of these power imbalances and the workers are being exploited by the owners and that the workers are really should really be the owners because they give the most. 
blah, 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 blah. And to have this just the equitable society, we have to be one globally. Like we have to remove as many distinctions as possible because distinctions lead to power imbalances. And the American version that's being pushed in Marxism, they um, more focused on cultural Marxism, where it's all about identity, racial identity, ethnic identity, um, gender, sexual orientation, because they feel like if you are not a cisgender, heterosexual, Christian white male, then you are inherently disadvantaged in American society, which is nonsense. Um, but many will push back on that and say, oh, well, you have sexual minorities and blah, blah, blah. Well, minority, <laughs> I mean, you're, it's, it's so much to unpack and that's not the purpose of my episode, but that's just the gist of their worldview. So um, we'll talk about their, the flaws in their worldview another episode. So I want to stay on topic. However, they believe, um, these organizations, that by any means necessary is the answer to the problems. And they have been violent for a long time. This is nothing new. Uh, I remember years ago, Antifa going to like where it would be like Ben Shapiro, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, various conservative speakers, threatening, protesting. And the justification for the behavior is that they're so triggered by the systemic injustices and misogyny and racism and homophobia that it justifies basically any and everything that they do. And many politicians, particularly liberal politicians, have been either A, totally ignoring it, or B, justifying it. We've seen Don Lemon and other people justifying it, and, and, and we've seen these ridiculous things like, oh, well, you know, just like, you know, you can't judge all cops by a bad cop. You can't judge all protesters by bad protesters. And the statement at face value is very, very true. But see, herein lies the insidiousness of what they're purporting. The problem is that the the violence of the protesters is getting worse. And the violence of the protesters is getting support and the media is covering up for it. If a cop unjustly shoots someone, specifically a black man, that's the only time it makes the news. When cops attack people of other ethnicities, it doesn't make the news. If a black cop attacks a black person, it doesn't make the news. It's only if a white cop attacks a black person because it feels a particular narrative that the media is looking to push that America is a systemically racist nation. Um, however, when those things happen, you cover the story. However, these anarchist Marxist groups, you don't cover it or you downplay it and make it seem like it's just right wing conspiracy theories. And now the media can't hide any longer that it's right, right-wing conspiracy theories. It's actually happening. And what I find frustrating is this agenda just to push like this unbridled fear and worry into Americans, um, making us hate our nation, to embrace unrest uh, by the media. And these people are just globalists. And you have to remember that Marxism is ultimately a global movement. Again, we'll get into that in the episode. But the, the America is evil crowd and all these people, it just really irritates me to no end. And they act as though black folks are just being hunted, women are being raped, gay people are being bullied and harassed in mass numbers, so America is so terrible. That's really their premise. And what's really kind of ignorant about it all, their failure to understand that any endeavor, any endeavor organization, enterprise will have corruption evil that's because the problem isn't in power structures or power imbalances the problem is in human wickedness you know as you guys all know i am a christian 
hence the show, you look at the logo, one of the main topics is Christian apologetics. I was just reading an article about this pastor in Kalamazoo, Michigan, who actually is on the run because he apparently was also working as like a counselor or something at a high school and was getting teenage boys to, um, and this is funny the way the news media reports it. And this is another problem I have. And I will make a slight deviation and get back to the point. But the news media, the news reports it that this pastor in Kalamazoo was getting teenage boys to have sex with his wife while he watched. Now, first of all, the whole title or the whole concept is wrong. She's a pedophile too. Okay, because she's an adult. And if you are having sex with teenage boys because your husband told you to, you're a pedophile. You can say no. You, can, you don't have to go along with this. You can say no. So anyway, the whole idea that he's in run. Why is she not in jail? That's, that's another episode in itself. I got so many episodes in my running around in my head trying to pierce through my mouth as I'm trying to stay on topic. Because why do female pedophiles get a pass? And then we wonder why our boys are sexually dysfunctional and our men are have such sexual dysfunction. Maybe because they've been sexually assaulted by some adult woman. I digress. Why am I telling the story about this man? The reason I'm mentioning the story about this man is because people look at instances like this and say, wow, this is what's going on in the church. No, this is what's going on with humans. You have wicked people. So since human beings are wicked, necessarily you're going to have people who serve in the rose pastor who are wicked. It's all outdoors. Because human beings are wicked, you're going to have people who function as politicians, as teachers who are wicked. So necessarily, you're going to have wicked people who also serve as cops who unjustly kill citizens. But that doesn't mean that it's part of this larger narrative that specifically black people are just being hunted in mass numbers by police. That's just not true. I mean, when you think about it, of the unarmed black men who were killed in America last year, it was, from what I recall, it was like under 100. I think it was like maybe 15 or 20. It's under like 50. Considering it's like 40 million of us, I, I just, I don't see what the numbers just don't back up the claim. In addition to the fact there's roughly every year, 3 million police interactions, 1,000 of those result in officers killing somebody. So that's by actually less than 1%. The exact number is 0.000333%. And again, every life is, is precious. Every death is tragic. But to, to kind of paint this narrative that there's just this onslaught where black people just have to be afraid, you know, it's just nonsense. But the, the problem is, is that this narrative that they're pushing or that women are just under constant oppression. Most women are being, if you're oppressed, it's really just that man you're dealing with and no one made you deal with him. I digress. I digress. Um, but the reality is that they push these narratives to justify these kind of Marxist revelatories that we see uh, going on in various cities in America. And the, the reason why I gave those numbers is because context matters. Whether we're talking about how many people are actually assaulted by police officers, how many people X, Y, and Z how bad something really is we gotta provide context and the reason why i mentioned human evil because again whenever you mention any type of horror it's like well do the people of the community support this horror does are there laws on the book that support this whole horror i mean there's so many questions there's so many questions like you even think of the case of like brianna taylor 
there's even though they're, they're the part of the trouble in charging these officers is that they actually follow the law. So if there is no law on the book that provides um, that that there's no criminal code or criminal statute that says they violated the law just because something played out in an unfair manner, that doesn't mean you can just throw the person in jail. They have to have violated the crime. That's the way our criminal code, our justice, our justice system works. We have laws in the book. And in order for you to be put in jail, you have to be tried with a specific crime and then you have to be convicted of that specific crime. And since no knock warrants are not a crime, and it appears that the boyfriend shot first, but again, if he didn't know who was entering, somebody just bust through your door and then you start shooting and they start shooting back, it's just really a confusion and a tragic situation. But based on our criminal code, no crime has been committed. So those types of things are important. You always have to tell the entire story and you have to provide a lot of context that really helps people see how a situation played out. But this idea that black people are just afraid for their life is really giving credence and really helping support these Marxist revelators. Now, what does this have to do with Colombia? You'll see in a minute. The reason why I... Uh, got into this topic, just started reading about Columbia and their paramilitary groups and their own problems with Marxism. As I was talking with a friend on Saturday, I was very, visiting with a very good friend of mine named Catherine. And she's a Christian. And she, uh, I remember several years ago, she went on a missionary trip to Columbia. And I remember her before telling me details about the trip. And I, I remember especially a specific element of her uh, missionary trip she was talking about is that like in Colombia they have this tolerance zone where um literally anything goes it's this area in Colombia and we know Colombia has a stigma of being like a narco state uh where it's rife for drug trafficking and just gangs and human trafficking and kidnappings and blah 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 and so they have this zone in Colombia called the tolerance zone where you can go and literally do anything like whatever comes to your mind you can kill people, you can rape kids. I mean, it's just different parts of Columbia, they have these things called tolerance zones where pretty much all crime is permissible. And so as she was telling me about this, she was telling me that in Bogota, where she was, they had these uh, paramilitary groups that, um, that some government officials were backing, if you will, um, that would, this is like in the 80s, 70s, and 80s, that they were killing poor people. And what happened is that they were just killing poor people. And as the poor people went on the run, many of the people left behind their children. And when they left behind their children, the kids went to go hide in the sewers. Now we're talking about children, seven, eight years old, your parents leave you behind, and you got to go live in the sewer. And these paramilitary groups will continue to hunt children. I mean, these people will like throw bombs in sewers and everything, just hunting little kids who are living in sewers. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, that is awful. Can you imagine being a child? And then you have a group of people hunting poor people, killing the poor people. And then the people who do escape leave their children behind. The kids have to go live in sewers and the kids are being hunted by these paramilitary groups. 
<laughs> I'm like, this is unbelievable. And she was telling me about, you know, just the tolerance zone and just the different types of spiritual warfare that the, there's a church in the tolerance zone. Um, the spiritual warfare that they have to go to and the witches attacking the church. It was just really a, it was just, when I say crazy, it was like something I've never heard. I mean, you hear crazy things, but it's another thing for someone to have witnessed or been in an environment where they're reporting uh, what they were told while they were there. So as I began to, you know, after her telling me this and I'm watching television and I'm watching these like NBA players and just, and it's so hard to be a black man. Yeah. Tell that to a kid in, in Columbia living in the sewer. In Bogota, tell me about your struggle. <sighs> you know, so um, as I'm listening to this story, I'm like, these people, so many people in America are just so, Holy Spirit catches me all the time. So ignorant, so disgusting, so clueless about the world around you. You know, and, and so as I'm sitting here listening to people, I'm like, do you guys have any idea what some of these kids living in sewers? Can you imagine? Just stop for a minute. You know what's in a sewer, boo-boo, fecal matter, whatever you want to call it, all types of human waste, garbage, rats, and, and you have children living in these sewers, and you got these fools complaining on television, and people say, well, did you mean that these cases of police brutality and the fact that a disproportionate number of black people and women and blah, 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 whatever, whatever. I'm not saying that the evil that people in America experience does not matter. But what I'm saying is that your your premise is false. That is the fault of America. My premise, which is actually lined in scripture, is that the problem is human evil. And that our system of government is the best you'll ever get considering the wickedness of humanity. So as I'm reading more about this, these sewer children in Colombia, and I hate to call them sewer children, actually in Colombia, uh, the children are called Los Jet... I don't speak Spanish. Actually, I took Japanese in high school, so please excuse me if I butchered the term. Uh, but the term they call the, the children who live in the sewers are Los Dechables, the disposables. That's what these kids are are called. So as I began to research and learn about the children, like why are all these kids living in sewers in Colombia? What's going on? So I, I came across a Vice TV documentary and it was on YouTube and the documentary was talking about why these kids are living in sewers. And I mean, it's so bad. These paramilitary groups, I mean, one incident, there were 22 children hiding in the sewer and someone opened the group, they the paramilitary groups, one person opened the sewer, poured gasoline down the sewer. 22 kids, kids, poured gasoline down the sewer and set the children on fire. And I'm like, what is going on? So as I began to do my research about this whole situation in Colombia, it's really, really foreshadowing what could potentially happen in America. You're like, America would never be like Colombia. It could happen anywhere because it's not that the people of Colombia are somehow just deficient. It's humanity and when you create a certain environment necessarily some things are going to happen so in the 1960s you started have like having like these marxist revolutions in colombia and i'm i'm my of course 
the things I'm saying are accurate, but I'm sure there's more details that can be filled in. But that's not the purpose of me discussing this. The purpose of me discussing this is kind of bringing up a mirror to show how this could easily and is on its way happen in America. So this group called FARC, it's an acronym. Um, I forgot what the acronym is for, but basically they're like Marxist guerrilla groups, like a Marxist guerrilla group. They weren't the only one in Colombia. And starting in the 1960s, they began to have this Marxist, this push for Marxism in Colombia. Now, what you have to understand is communism is nothing new. Where Marxism changes communism is it brings violence. That's why whether it's in Russia or in Cuba, all these Marxist revolutions are all extremely violent. That's why Black Lives Matter and Antifa are extremely violent because that's what Marxism is. It's, it's violent. That's what it is. It's changing power structures through violence. That's there. It's, it's bringing about communism with violence. That's, a, that's, that's essentially what it is. So um, what was happening was with FARC, um, they were like this guerrilla group causing all types of violence and they, they just they were just like a uh basically trying to uh, overthrow the Colombian government and usher in a communist society. And as this was happening, you began having these paramilitary groups that were being funded by government officials, um, and very wealthy people in Colombia, and they were funding these groups to counteract the Marxist groups. Now, I'm going to pause here. This is why, like the case of Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, Riddle, I probably mispronounced his name, I forgot. But this is where this ties in. When you have a society where you're permitting chaos, chaos begets chaos. Now, again, I'm not getting into whether or not it was self-defense. I, it appears from the evidence that it was, I've witnessed that his, at the actual conflict where he involved him shooting the three people was self-defense. But before we even get to that point, a 17 year old has no business crossing state lines with an AR-15 to defend other people's business. But again, when you have a government, when you have local officials permitting rioting and anarchy and chaos, you're going to bring in other groups who are going to counteract that violence. And that's precisely what happened. Or like the case in Portland. That man who was shot, the Trump supporter was killed in Portland, he was murdered in cold blood. I do not think that they should have rolled through a Marxist protest. But again, I'm not saying they did anything wrong or he deserved it because he didn't do anything to bring it on himself, but it just wasn't a safe place to be. You let the government handle that. But but see, this is what happens. I can't blame them for driving through the, the Marxist protest either because the government in Portland is not doing their job. And so when you have people who are setting fires, rioting a couple nights out of the week, you're going to bring about other groups who seek to stop this. And that's precisely what happened in Colombia. So what happened in Colombia is that as these Marxist guerrillas began to get more power and get more violent, you had other people saying, okay, well, since the Colombian government isn't sufficiently handling this problem, we're going to fund our own paramilitary group who's going to come in and combat these guys. And that's what happened. Now, simultaneously, while this is all going on, you had the drug traffickers rising to power because America got a taste for cocaine. And many other countries around the world began to enjoy cocaine. 
around, I would say the late 70s, early 80s, you know, Colombia's number one export was always coffee. Well, around the 70s and 80s, and I don't know if it's still true to this day, 30% of Colombia's export was cocaine. Cocaine had took over coffee as Colombia's top export. And so many of these people didn't mind the drug traffickers because the drug traffickers were fighting these left-wing groups. So then what happens is, is when a society becomes desperate, they began to get in bed with unsavory elements in order to fix their problem. So you had wealthy people who were okay with the narcos because they were helping to solve a problem. But then as the narcos got worse, and then the violence that they were bringing, because they were bringing another set of violence. They were bringing drug violence. So you got these paramilitary groups fighting. You have these left and right wing paramilitary groups fighting each other. Remember, the Marxists started it. Just saying. Remember that, just like in America, the media tries to cover it up like Trump's inflammatory. Antifa and Black Lives Matter started it. So cut it out. They're the ones who started attacking random people. And, and this is the problem I have. I am not saying that they we should never attack anybody. Make that clear before I say my next statement. Please do not twist my words. I say that a lot because I can't stand on people misrepresent what I'm saying. But it doesn't even make logical sense because if you feel like that the government and society, the government and the police are systemically racist, it makes more logical sense that you would like go and try to vandalize a police station or go and vandalize like the state house or city hall. But these people harass innocent individuals. When I say innocent, I mean just like a restaurant or a car dealership or an apartment building or a Target. Like, what did they do? That doesn't even add up. But that's how Marxists, Marxists are. They just bring chaos. So that's what happened with Colombia. And at that time, you had, the like I said, you had these left-right guerrilla groups fighting. Then you also had the drug cartels fighting one another. And the drug cartels were in bed with some of these paramilitary groups. It was just chaos. And then came the rise of this group called Los Pepes. And so Los Pepes were a group who were trying to fight uh, um, Pablo Escobar because he was just extremely violent. And they would bring violence anywhere, bystanders. It was just sheer chaos. And that's my point. I made an episode last week about chaos begets chaos. And so what happens is when people are desperate, and as I mentioned earlier in the episode, people begin to build relationships with unsavory groups. In order to, in order to, um, in, in order to solve their problems, and so while all this is going on, when all this is going on in the seventies and eighties, some of people began to rise up and say, "Okay, well, we're going to start killing these drug dealers like Los Pepes." And so many groups weren't just, I can't say Los Pepes did this, what I'm going to say next, but groups weren't just targeting uh, drug dealers and Pablo Escobar's people and the different cartels in Medellin and Bogota. They began to just target poor people because some people felt like, well, to solve our problems, we get rid of poor people, prostitutes, homeless people, uh, drug addicts, what have you. A suspected drug dealers, let's just kill them all and then we'll solve our problems. And then some people also felt like, well, since these Marxists claim they want to fight and help the poor people, we're going to just start killing the poor people. 
and you had that going on. So you had, it was just chaos. It was just pure chaos. And so you had groups who decided, well, we're going to take it upon ourselves to solve this crime. So you had a couple groups. It was, just, like I said, I can't explain it. I mean, even the way I'm explaining it, it sounds chaotic because it was a chaotic situation. Because you had groups who were fighting the gorillas. You had groups who were fighting uh, Pablo Escobar and his people. You had Los Pepes doing that. And then you had another group of people who decided that they want to, who were being hired by, um, who were actually being hired. One article I was reading, like Chiquita Banana was involved. You had a lot of very wealthy land oil owners and people working in oil companies who were tired of the crime and tired of the poverty. They felt like it was bad for business. It was bad for society. It was bad for the community. They were tired of it all. And they were like, we're just going to get these prostitutes, these drug dealers, these drug addicts, and we're just going to kill them all. And if we kill them off, we'll, won't have to deal with these problems. We won't have to deal with it. will bring our property value up. It'll make our nation more attractive because one of the problems with all this chaos that was going on in Colombia People didn't want to come visit. It hurt tourism. It hurt business. So their answer was, we're just going to start killing people. And, and that's what began to happen. And so what you um, had was this group called the a ACCU or short to ACU. And they were like far right guerrilla group. And, and they were formed by like wealthy landowners, like I said, these different organizations and companies and politicians. And I was reading one article that said even sometimes the national police was involved in just killing criminals. Because from what I understand, especially in the 70s, 80s, I don't know how accurate it is in Colombia today. But um, like when someone went to trial, only like 3% of the time they got convicted. So the people were like, we're just going to take everything into our own hands. So it was just it was just chaos. And what kind of spearheaded this chaos was a Marxist revolution. It's just sheer chaos. So you have all these different factions. And, and that's why if you look at like the United States, um, our civil war, it was really kind of two factions fighting. You had, quote unquote, the North and the South. One group was trying to succeed from the Union because they wanted to maintain slaves. You had the North who wanted to maintain the Union and all the states in it and abolish slavery. So you really had two sides. Well, in Colombia, you got like 10 sides and everybody had their own agenda. And caught in the crosshairs are some of the most vulnerable members of the population, which are children. They're children. And... Um, Eventually, it just, everything began just to turn into total chaos. And what happened was is that many of these people who were funding these paramilitary groups, they turned their back on them at one point because it was just too much chaos. And at that point, you gave birth to like these tolerance zones where they're like, okay, if we're going to have crime, go in your little area and commit your crime. But that's really dangerous. And then two, even these children who were living or who, who are even to this day, because my friend, she went to Columbia, like, I want to say it was like 2014 or 15. So it wasn't that long ago that she went. And a lot of these children, they have to watch out for homeless people too. And other drug addicts and other things. Because one of the things that I have a problem with the Marxist view is they make people who are poor people who are in jail, people who are drug addicts out to be victims of society and they're victims. That's what 
created the the crime or the the degeneracy that we see in their behavior. So the injustice in society came first, which precipitated the the chaos that that person is bringing in society, whether it be prostitution, because nobody want to live in a neighborhood full of prostitution, even though we got Kamala Harris who wants to make prostitution illegal all over America. I pause there. Um, but the problem with that is that the problem isn't the power structure. The power is the wicked human heart. And that's the fundamental flaw with the Marxist idea of the world is that if we remove these social structures that 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 create poverty, that create criminality, that we'll have a safer and more just society. But that is not how it works, because in every Marxist regime, whether it's Colombia or Russia or North Korea, the leaders are horrifically violent. And, and it's funny because these guerrilla groups like FARC and all these different groups, once the Medellin cartel fell, they all became drug traffickers. <laughs> they all became drug traffickers. So so it, it, it my point is, is that in America, the same thing could easily happen in Colombia. It's not because the people of Colombia are a bunch of narcos and they're just criminals and they're just vagabonds and all this. No, no, they're no different than anybody else. It's, it's that when you allow... Or when you have um, a chaotic situation, a chaotic worldview that is like we're just going to slash and burn any and everybody. Because that's the thing. Like when, and when people try to compare these Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots, protests, whatever you want to call them, to like the revolutionary world, you make me want to vomit. You make me want to vomit the food that's not even in my stomach. It's just it's so irritating because it's, it's a horrible comparison. Because the American Revolutionary War, they were specifically targeting British soldiers. Not to even get into saying that people should target police officers or that's evil and wrong. Because the first of all, you guys, these people don't even target the specific individual. You target everybody because it's, 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 they see groups. They see people as groups and not as individuals. So if you have a one cop shoot a person unjustly, it's because cops are bad. Couldn't be because that one person is bad. Or when a preacher does something wrong, it couldn't be because the preacher is bad. It's because the church is bad and all preachers are terrible. I mean, but that's the that's the collective view. They view everything as a collective. Whereas in my view or the Christian view, you view everyone as an individual, not as a member of a collective. You're not a you're not a member of a collective, you're an individual that exists within a collective. Makes sense to me, but that, that's the point I'm making. And so these guys are not even targeting the specific officer they felt that did something wrong. They're want to just, we're going to burn, burn the system. And so what's going to happen in America, if, if these Antifa characters do not, and these Black Lives Matter Marxists, if they are not put down, and when I say put down, I do not mean killed. I'm not calling for the death of anybody that's so satanic I'm not calling for people to be killed the only way i feel like it's justified to kill a person is if they're causing direct threat and harm to you so if you come and assault me i'm 35 i'm not we're not pity pat this isn't a schoolyard fight i'm fight to kill you know but unless someone is causing a direct threat to your person or safety there's no justification for killing people so let, let me just make that clear but what i am saying is that they they have to be stopped because if they don't stop, there will be a counter group. 
who will rise up to fight them. That will happen. And I could easily see in many of these large cities, there being business owners and just citizens in general saying, we're going to form our own paramilitary group or a militia. You know, there are militias throughout America now and they are quiet. But if you sit here and permit these Marxists to just tear stuff up and burn things down and harass people and terrorize people, people are going, these militias are going to fight back. And some of them will not be good groups. People have this idea that these militias are bad. No, some are, are decent people who just really about protecting themselves. And some are not. And you're going to get a mixture of both because it's chaos. So you're going to have some groups who are genuinely like, hey, we just want to protect our neighborhood and our community. And you're going to have some who are looking for trouble, who are looking to fight, who are looking to shoot, because that's what happened in Colombia. And it happened in Colombia, not because there's something wrong with the Colombian people. It's because that's how people are. People are people. People are people are people are people. And like, and that's what frustrates me about most folks. And I, and I was telling my friend when she was telling me about Columbia, her experience, I said, I'm so grateful for my childhood. And I, and I say that because in America, the left, it makes everything about race, class, and race and gender. And it's all, and not even class. It makes it more about race. Everything is about race, 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 and race. It's just like, they're so obsessed with it. It's like a fetish. And I say that because I grew up, my childhood was like a G8 summit. It was. It was like a total GA summit. It was all these kids from all over, different ethnic, different ethnicities, different races, blah, blah, blah. And as I grew up, I realized that people are people. And so if I did have a negative experience with a person of another race, I didn't go, oh, because these people are this. It was that person is this. Because likewise, I've had horrible experiences with people of my own ethnicity. So you learn that people are people are people. And that also transpired because traditionally Marxism focuses focuses on economics, but even with people of different economic groups. I've met some people who are wealthy, who are extremely kind, loving people. I've met some people who who are wealthy, who are absolute jerks. I've met some people who are economically disadvantaged or poor, who are sweethearts, who are kind, and I've met some who are just monsters. And that goes for any middle class, whatever. It's because people are people are people are people. People are people. And so as this continues, this this Marxist uprising you see going on in America is only going to get worse. Mayor Ted Wheeler, they set his apartment or either said or they had some small fire that they set his apartment building. And San Jose, California, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, they're really all one of the same. They vandalized his house. In San Jose, they vandalized his house. And what's crazy is these mayors in these various cities, they just tolerate it. They expect the citizens to just deal with it. That's why I said what happened in Columbia could easily happen in America. Because you had like the mayor of Seattle where that chop or chaz was going on. She was making excuses. So you had a group of people who just decide we're going to set up an autonomous zone in your community and start extorting people for money. I mean, these Marxists, they're, they're atheists, number one. 
And I'm not saying that just because a person's atheist mean that they're a horrible person and can't be a good neighbor. But when the foundation of your group is that there is no God and I answer to no one but myself, that group is going to be out of control. And, and so in, in the chop zone, they set up a borders and just start demanding that people pay their money and doing all kinds of stuff and, and terrorizing the residents. And the mayor of Seattle is like, oh, well, you know, she's making all these excuses. And these groups are claiming that they're supporting Black Lives Matter, but the folks dying and, chap and, and chopped and getting shot were all black people. But then when these Marxist protesters showed up on her front door in her neighborhood, then she went to shut it down. That's how these people are. They don't care about the community. They don't care about citizens. They don't care about nobody. All they care about is power. P-O-W-E-R. Power is a hell of a drug. It really is. It is such a drug. And that's something folks don't get about power. It's like when you look through history, people have killed their children, killed their parents, their siblings, all for a seat at the throne. Seat on the throne, rather. It is. That's what they've done. They've done it over and over and over and over again. And, and it, it just does not stop. And for some reason, people are so naive to think the same can't happen in America. You must be drinking or ignorant. It could easily happen here in America. Easily. Same thing happened in Chicago with Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Same thing happened with her. They showed up in her neighborhood. Oh, no, no, no. We got to shut this down. What about when they were terrorizing the people in the community? Where were you then? You just make excuses for them. So this is only going to get worse. And we could easily find ourselves being, find ourselves being just like Columbia. If we don't stop, because again, people are people and people are not going to stand by and have their communities terrorized and vandalized while you have mayors and governors and city councils twiddling their fingers. And then in Seattle, to make it even stupider, just even just dumb, they're talking about getting rid of the police and having some kind of civilian force where civilians basically solve crime. I mean, Marxists live in a reality that exists nowhere but in their head. And to me, American Marxists are the worst. They're the most dangerous. And I say that because they've never known any real struggle. They don't know any real struggle. They have no concept of reality, of difficultness. These people are total idiots. They're total idiots on, on, every, on every spectrum. They are. They, they they are, they just, I and I stand by that statement. Because for you to think that the answer to alleviating power imbalance, because remember, the focus of Marxism is power and imbalances. They want to eliminate power imbalances. Again, traditionally with Marx and Engels, it was focused on um, economics, whereas in America, it's more focused on, on social structures. So the idea is that we're going to get rid of the police and if we don't have police, then we have to won't worry about that power imbalance because the power imbalance is what's causing these unjustified shootings. So what about all the criminals, the rapers, the rapers, is that a word? Rapists, thieves, robbers, killers. They're just going to stop. Dope dealers. All these cats are going to just put down their guns, their drugs, whatever type of paraphernalia. The rapers are going to just put their penis back in their pants and say, we're going to not commit crime anymore. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You cannot be that stupid. But guess what? 
They are. They are that stupid. They are that ridiculous. And so now, what they want to do, they're going to have a citizen force. So what's going to happen when these cats are out here committing all types of crime? You're going to get paramilitary or militia groups. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get citizens, form their own militias, and it's going to be blank and chaos. That's what's going to happen. Because people are not going to sit back and be victims so you can live out your Marxist fantasy. That exists nowhere but in your elitist head. That's why American Marxists are the worst. They literally live in East Coast and sit with their friends and ship their and, and sip their champagne. That's where the term limousine liberals come from. These people live in a reality that exists nowhere and has never existed in human nature, in human history. Because their fundamental failure is to understand human anthropology. They think that humans are inherently good. Humans are inherently wicked, evil, and depraved and wretched sinners. And so you have this idea that people are good. And if we remove these unjust power structures, then people will suddenly be nice to each other. That is insane. And then once people become nice to each other, then we'll have no crime. And we can just mediate conflict. Tell that to the woman who's getting punched in the head by her husband. Tell that to the man who's being terrorized by his neighbor. Tell that to the boy who's being molested by this woman in his neighborhood. And maybe if we go talk to her, she'll just stop. Who's going, who's, what kind of criminal code are these people going to go by? What are you going to do when you have people in society who do not, who do not uh, follow the rules? What are you going to do? Gonna tell me where you gonna they gotta go somewhere. Just gonna let them keep terrorizing the community. If you want any indication of how ridiculous these Marxists are, actually I have something I screenshotted on my phone. And I'm actually gonna take the time to pull it up. And I should sing you a small song while I do that, but I'm not because it is that stupid. Like when I say it is stupid, it is stupid, it is stupid, it is stupid. And well, essentially what happened was this woman who was, okay, this woman who was a, um, not was, she's a writer for like the New York Times, People, Teen Vogue, uh, Vox, blah, 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 blah. And she's going to tweet, I cringe whenever I see the word crime. It is no longer in my vocabulary, my vocab. Crime is a historical and political construction. The sooner we acknowledge crime as a made-up thing used to justify targeted criminalization policing, the sooner we can talk meaningful about actual harm. That's what I'm talking about. These Marxists live nowhere but in their head. They are not in reality. And you should read the comments underneath this woman's stupid tweet. Like one lady, like, okay, so my rapist who broke in my house raped me and cut off my cat's head. That wasn't crime. That was just a construct. That's the thing. They don't believe. They have this two-tier reality. It's like the reality that exists that I see, but then that reality as it should be. It's just, it's craziness. So crime is a bad word. Crime, crime is a bad word. We don't want to, we need to reimagine harm. It's a construct. So reality is, and this is, this is gets into not, not just critical theory, but postmodernism. It's like that reality really is a construct. It's not actually what's real. I mean, this is how, this is how these American Marxists think. So they have a mix. It's like a mixture ideology. So you mix critical theory, postmodernism, and Marxism, and make this just 
this hodgepodge, it's not even hodgepodge, it's not even goulash, it's, tra it's a trash heap. A trash heap ideology, and they want to rule America with this. And then what's going to happen is, is that human nature will rear its ugly head and will be looking like Columbia. Is that what you want? Then let these clowns get elected. Let their voices reign in society. And this is precisely what we'll have. Because the only answer to injustice and problems are the gospel. Because the problem is the wretched human heart. Whenever you see a problem, you need more people who are sincerely sold out for Christ. Whether you it's pastors who are sold out for Christ, they're not doing what this guy was doing, getting teenagers and him and his wife having threesomes with teenagers. They're not doing that kind of stuff. They're not doing what Derek Chauvin did to George Floyd and just callously kneeling on another person's neck. They're not doing that. People who are sold out for Christ don't do these things. People who sold out for Christ aren't selling dope in their neighborhoods. People who are sold out for Christ are not kidnapping women and murdering them for pleasure. People who are sold out for Christ don't do these types of wicked acts. They are not rapers. They are not rapists. I keep saying rapers. What am I, five? They're not rapists. You know, they're not going to victimize people because their heart has changed. They have given their life to Jesus Christ. When you are a Christian, when you are a Christian, you cannot in good conscience victimize other people. You cannot. You can't. You just, you just can't. You function on a different level. And, and when you do have problems in society, when you do see issues, you appeal to the Christian faith. That's why in America, America and England, that's why our nations have had the most successful abolitionist movements in human history. Because the abolitionists in America and England were Christians. Charles Spurgeon said, I wouldn't even sit with a slaver. He wouldn't even sit with a person who felt they had the right, the right to own a slave. And, and I was listening to uh, Abraham Hamilton's show, and he was talking about uh, Frederick Engels, who actually co-authored um, Communist Manifesto with Karl Marx. When they went to England to try to spread Marxism in England, guess what? why they were unsuccessful? Because of Christianity. And guess who Frederick Engels said he hated the most of anybody? You would think he would say Jesus Christ. No, he hated Charles Spurgeon, the same pastor who spoke out against slavery and called out people who professed to be followers of Christ yet own people was the same man who was the thorn in the side of the Marxists. The church is the, are the only people who can bring it into any injustice, who can stop any type of Marxist uprising because we're the only ones who have the answer. And that answer is Jesus Christ. The church has always had the answer. And that's what you do. And the more people who have given their heart to Christ when they do something wrong, or they have an opportunity to do something wrong, we can always appeal to their Christianity. And I'm going to wrap up here in the book of Philemon. Now, the reason why um, God put it on my heart is the book of Philemon, really the perfect segue to the closing, because, in, see, what happened was, is Onzimus, and I probably said the name wrong, was a slave, and Philemon was his master. And he, I guess he stole some money and ran away. And so Paul appealed to Philemon as a fellow Christian, said, listen, as a brother in Christ, you are to embrace Onzimus as a fellow brother. And I not only do I want you to embrace him as a fellow brother, but I want you to forgive his debt. And if anything that he owes you, appeal it to me. So instead of saying so much that Philemon is wrong, 
for owning Anzimas because we don't know the, because you got to remember first century, in the first century, I mean, owning people was just a common practice, whether it was debtor prisons or whatever. And the Bible clearly condemned chattel slavery or, or kidnapping people and making them slavery. So we don't know the context as to how um, Philemon came to own Onzimus. And again, many of these people were not Christian. It became Christian later. And then suddenly now they got to shift their culture. But what Paul appealed to was saying that I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would, um, this is in, it's only one, um, one chapter. So I'm reading in verse 12. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent or that your goodness might not be compulsion but your own accord. And that is so important to me because Paul was telling Philippi, it's important that you have a change of heart. See, it was that heart change. See, when you have given your heart to God, now he's telling Philemon, that you are to see Onzimus as a fellow person. You know, and Paul says in, in, in verse 17, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. And so Paul was telling him, like, see him as a fellow person. See him as a fellow man. See, that's the answer to our problems. Whatever the problem may be in society is that if we see each other as fellow image bearers, I'm not going to do anything unjust to you. And the answer is not a Marxist revolution unless you want to look America look like Colombia. The answer is not fighting in the streets. The answer isn't militia groups going to do counteractions. The answer is the gospel. That's it. There was nothing else. I'm not saying people don't have a right to defend themselves and their property. I see nothing wrong with that because if you try to run up in here, causing me physical harm, you're going to be met with deadly force. However, that should be a response to a threat, not your initiative action. The initiative action should be the gospel because when heart changes happen, that's the only true change that can penetrate a society. And bake our society as best it can be to the return of our Lord. So thank you for tuning in to It's Solid Food. And make sure you join me again for the next episode. It's Solid Food is on all major podcast platforms. So check this out. When you guys listen to my show, make sure you subscribe to my podcast. Please leave a rating and write a review. Please. It helps my podcast get um, more noticed and will help people make it more discoverable. Please, and share with your friends. Come on now, share with your friends. So again, I'm on all major podcast platforms. Also, be sure to check out my website at www.ChristinaCaramo.com, on Facebook and YouTube at The Christina Caramo Project, on Instagram at Caramo the Great. That's Caramo and the G, and Caramo, the G-R and the number eight. And remember to be brave and bold because the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told. Toodles!